Well, good morning. Well, that was a weak effort. <laughs> good morning. That was a strong effort. <clears throat> well, it's over. I never it's bring over. this guitar to church. That's the Holy Grail. Aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was afraid that I would you put this on real quick. I'm sorry. Dave. That's okay. I, you know, I collect guitars, and this is the Holy Grail, and it's been in my house in my closet for years, and because it's solid koa, and I never play it, and I said, I gotta play it, so I brought it today, and I'm so afraid of that first scratch that's going on a near mint guitar, and would you know it, it lands on the floor, so God bless you. I could knock it around a little bit if you want somebody else to scratch it up for you. Well, it's good to be back. Last week, I had the opportunity, the privilege, the joy of traveling down to Nampa, Idaho to celebrate my oldest daughter's graduation from college. And so, thank you for allowing me that privilege of, of being there. Uh, I hear great things that uh, Ken did a good job filling in, and, and that's a blessing of a multiple staff church where you can hear from uh, some wonderful people. Uh, <clears throat> we have been kind of journeying through the book of Mark for most of uh, 2018 so far. And so we're uh, roughly halfway through it. And, but we're going to intentionally push pause on that series and come back to it in the fall. And uh, so there's a, these weeks on the calendar be, that begin with Mother's Day and go all the way through like the weekend that's right around the 4th of July, they're like the hardest weeks on the calendar to plan for because they just seem to be disjointed a little bit. You got Mother's Day and then a week off and then we have, uh, you know, then there's a holiday with Memorial Day and then another Sunday or so goes by and there's graduation and then there's Father's Day and so it just seems like we could be scattered in all sorts of different directions. And so last year we did an experiment with uh, trying to fill in these weeks with studying one of Paul's letters. And so we went almost all the way through Ephesians during these weeks. And uh, this year, I was thinking that doing the, a similar type thing would be a, a good idea. And so I had uh, a series kind of put together in my head on, the, on Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And so for these weeks, I want to look at the book of Colossians. So you could open your Bibles if you, I hope you have them with you. If, if not, and you have an electronic device, go ahead and fire that up. Uh, last week, as we were uh, gone, I had the privilege of, um, we went to the college church on campus. That's where Nicole and a couple other students go. And uh, one pastor that I enjoy listening to when I get the chance is uh, Pastor Scott Daniels, and he is the pastor of that church down there, but as it turns out, he had a son graduating from Point Loma, which is down in San Diego, California, and so he was gone, and we almost decided to go somewhere else, and I found out that uh, Diane LeClaire, she uh, teaches at, in the religion department on campus, uh, was filling in for Scott. She's their pastor, pastor to 
uh, university students, and she has a wonderful mind. And uh, it was an easy decision to to continue on with the plans to go to college church. And and uh, I, I can blame her for something. She has now confirmed twice um, some plans that I had in my mind for series, and this being one of them. She preached on uh, John chapter 15, which actually uh, comes up in in our message this morning. And so it was one of those ways that the Holy Spirit, you know, speaks through other people uh, and kind of confirms things that we have laid before him. So it's kind of an odd way to start into a series on Colossians. I don't want to start at the very beginning. Um, there are two verses that I want to read to you today, and I think that they capture the essence of what it means to be a Christ follower. So I think in two verses, Paul kind of nails what it means to, to be a disciple of Jesus. And so I, I want to start there. And we'll have plenty of weeks in the, in the coming weeks to, to go back and unpack the very beginning, you know, figure out, okay, where is Colossae in the map and what kind of a context were they um, living in, in the Roman Empire. We can unpack all of those sorts of things uh, in the coming weeks. But today, I, I want to read, I really want to read two verses to you. So if you have your Bible, it's in chapter 2 of Colossians. And I want to read verses 6 and 7. Paul says, And now... Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Can I read that again? That's great. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, my whole goal today... It was really just to give you some encouragement. Um, you know, walking as a disciple of Jesus is, it, the Bible never tells us that it's an easy thing. And so when we face the challenges of life and we know things that Scripture, that Jesus would call us to, the ways that we're supposed to respond when we're criticized and, you know, when your neighbor gets upset with you and, and you know, all that turn the other cheek and all of those sorts of things, that's hard work, isn't it? And so when life gets after us and the Scripture, you know, kind of just pulls us in a direction that's just hard work, um, we get worn down sometimes and we lose we lose our faith once in a while because we just doubt that we, can, that we can do it because we struggle. And so once in a while, we just need to pause 
and encourage one another in your faith. You can do it. You can do it. Paul has in, in the verse right before the text that we read, in, in verse 5, Paul affirms their faith. He's writing to this church, and they're struggling with some things. Uh, the, the culture around them is pulling them in all sorts of different directions. And they're having a, a, a challenging time uh, remaining faithful to Jesus. And Paul says, you know, I'm with you. In the pages of Scripture, we never know if Paul actually visited the church in Colossae. He wrote them this letter. He had ministry colleagues who um, uh, were the pastor of the church there, Epaphras, and, and others who visited would bring him reports and tell him about the Christians in Colossae. But as far as we know, he never visited the church. And yet he writes that he takes the time to write them this very personal letter. In verse 5, he just affirms their faith. And, and the way he starts the book back at the beginning, he, he thanks God for their faith. He thanks God for the seed that had been planted in them, that, that God nurtured into life, and it sprouted, and it took root, and it began to, to grow into this plant. And he, he thanks God that, that, that the love uh, that was growing inside them, they were now uh, spreading that around and they were learning how to love their neighbors as themselves. And Paul is so grateful for that and he affirms them, tells them that he, was, that he is with them uh, in spirit. Yeah, I get to be with you all the time. And I want you to know how encouraging it is for me to see your faith to see the ways that, that you step in and uh, help people, uh, the ways that you are compassionate and faithful, uh, the ways that you love one another and, and love this community. I mean, Thursday night we had the, the thrill of having the Northwest Nazarene University Choir and Orchestra here. And it took a lot of people to uh, to house 95 students. And you are quick to respond to that challenge. Hey, they'll come here, but we need to house them and we need to feed them. Uh, several of you took days off of work so that you could, could host and that you could prepare food. And that just encourages me. And I would echo what Paul said to the Colossians. I thank God for your faith. So really today, I just wanted to spend a little bit of time and, and encourage you. Now, we do have a text in front of us that, that points out some um, things that we need to know about the Christian journey. And so I'll have to be honest, there is just one little pokey part about today's message. Some of you will say, okay, you're going to meddle a little bit. And, <clears throat> but that's the nature of Scripture, right? If, if we were all flawless, if we were all, you know, perfect, mature followers of Jesus who get it right all of the time, then, you know, we could just live up here and, whoa, isn't this awesome? But, you know, I know, maybe I just look in the mirror too much, and I know that 
that I'm a flawed individual and there's things that, that God is still working on in my life. And so I, I just make the assumption that maybe you're sort of like I am in some ways. And so if, you know, if there were never any problems, if there were never any sin, if there were never anything that we struggle with, uh, if, if there were never things that, you know, if we looked at what if we read Scripture and we could put it up next to our lives and, and our lives looked exactly like Scripture all of the time, then there would never, we wouldn't need to be saved from anything, right? So, assuming that we're all flawed in some way, uh, to have good news, you've got to have a little bad news. Is that fair enough? Okay, so would it, should we just get the pokey part out of the way up front? <laughs> Okay, that was, a, that was a minority vote, but <laughs> seeing as I have the microphone right now, we'll just go ahead and, and get the pokey part out of the way. Paul was sending, this letter is a message of encouragement to this church, uh, but it's also a letter of instruction. He is, uh, there is some heresy that's going on in the church, and Paul is writing a letter. This is uh, one of the the, the highest Christology uh, letters that Paul writes. So we learn a lot about who Jesus is in this book because Paul is trying to set the record straight. And what he has noticed or the word that has come back to him was that the, the culture was, was just having a field day with this church. And how they were doing that is, is that there were people, there were philosophies, there were teachers, uh, people out in society, you know, your friends and neighbors who they were trying to tell the Colossian church that you can have Jesus and fill in the blank. Not that the culture was saying, hey, you got to get rid of Jesus. He's no good. They're saying, hey, that's fine. You can, you can say Jesus is your Savior. You can believe all of these things about Jesus. We're not going to take that away from you. But you're limiting yourself if you say it's just Jesus. So there, what society, the culture, is preaching into this church and to these people of faith, and it's confusing them terribly. They're saying, hey, you can have Jesus and fill in the blank. And so it began this, that little seed, like, huh, well, that's interesting. I kind of like some other things that I can mix in with my faith. And you're saying that that's okay. And Paul is saying, no, no, that's not okay. So what are some things that we say Jesus and? Well, some of them, some of them in an effort to find their own uh, hybrid Christianity, one that made them feel warm and fuzzy and comfortable. Some people, well, they really like structure. They like separation from bad things. And so they mixed Jesus and a lot of rules. And you could, you know, you could call that legalism, right? And so there were some in that church that, hey, <clears throat> let's go back and do all those rules that the, the, the Jews had. 
A lot of people in Colossae uh, had been transplanted out of uh, Israel and had landed around the empire, and, and so there, there were some with Jewish heritage that were there, and hey, let's go back to the… so it's Jesus and the law, and so there was a very legalistic mindset in some of them. Well, then you had, then you had the, the opposite end where it's uh, Jesus and personal autonomy, like… <laughs> I don't like rules so much. I want to live life by my preferences, my styles, my decisions. I know what's right for me. And so, yeah, give me a little bit of Jesus, but give me a lot of personal autonomy. So they were mixing those two things together. Uh, some mixed in practices from other religions. Uh, some people went to, were bent and leaning a little bit towards, uh, you could say, mysticism. So Jesus and a whole bunch of this other spiritual stuff that's going on in, in other religions. And so we're going to mix those two things together. Uh, some people uh, mixed in their politics. Some people just had this idea that they needed to be in charge and, and in control, and, and so the politics of how they thought the world and society should work, and give me Jesus and give me my politics. Well, you, you could say that your faith may have gone a little bit sideways if you think that God votes exactly like you do all the time. There were people in this church that were trying to bring in some of the politics of their culture and mix it with Jesus, and Paul's saying, no, that's not working out so well for you. A lot of people mixed in, they want Jesus, and they wanted all their stuff. They wanted Jesus, and they wanted security through their wealth and their ability to produce. So, money, uh, things, you could say materialism. So, yeah, Jesus... And materialism, that's a, you know, that's a pretty nice faith to have there. Now, I'm talking about stuff that was way back that the church in Colossae was dealing with, but if I were to have started and said, these are things that plague churches in the United States, would, you, would, would it be fair to say that that is happening now, maybe even here? on occasion, maybe in our own hearts and minds. We want to have a little bit of Jesus, but we have enough going on in our head that we want it to look our way because the culture has dictated to us that, hey, whatever it feels right, just do it. And so we want to, we want to adopt that, and we want to have that bleed over into the church, and we want our teachers and, and our leadership and our pastors to tell us that that's okay that it's Jesus and you fill in the blank. And Paul says, absolutely not. Jesus, period. He is the one who is all-sufficient. That's Paul's message to this church. He is everything that you need. You, you place Jesus at the center, and then you figure out how the rest of life orders around Jesus. You don't put yourself in the middle of your life 
and then have, you know, Jesus be a spoke and money be a spoke and politics be a spoke and, you know, all of these other sorts of things that we talked about uh, around, you know, all the things are floating around you makes it a you-centric faith. The Bible preaches and teaches a Jesus-centric faith. So Jesus is in the middle, and everything else finds their place around him. And that's what Paul is, through this whole letter, is trying to get through to the, the Christians who are in Colossae who are a little bit confused because there are so many voices preaching into their minds that, hey, you can have Jesus and. And that's a little pokey for us. I admit it's a pokey, it's a little bit pokey for myself um, because we are really in love with, we are really enamored by all of the gods that society puts in front of us. All those little idols that they put out there, things that are, uh, you know, that we are supposed to strive for, they're very, very alluring. And it's easy for us to um, act like this particular church and say, oh yeah, that's okay. I can have Jesus and I can have all these other things. Uh, and, and Maybe the, maybe the worst part of all of this is uh, you're really good at rationalizing on why your particular flavor of Christianity is right. I'm really good at rationalizing because we get this idea in our mind that it's so entrenched in us that, hey, you can have it your way, that uh, I can... I can look, I could be sinning in this very way, and I can look at it and say, I don't have a problem. And I can rationalize it away, and I can see it in everybody else but myself. And so that's really the pokey part for us, is to ask God to peel the scales from our eyes and so that we would see how we might be living or uh, embracing a faith that is Jesus and something else. And, and I hope that maybe through, well, this message and, and through this series that we begin to see and understand the teaching that Paul has for the Christians who are confused by this. Uh, Jesus and anything else is just not a biblical faith. Uh, if you're splitting time between things that rule your life, then it's a problem. All right, pokey part is done. Is that okay? We all survived? It is an ouch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had that ouch all week long. Thank you very much. Um, I'm a word picture kind of a guy. And the, the verses that we read helped me out a lot because Paul uses three different word pictures to help us understand this concept. Uh, he, he has these very picturesque ways of describing the Christian journey. Now, I know he mixes his metaphors, and so in today's literary society, he would get, you know, he'd get little red marks on his letter for that, but the, uh, they are very helpful to have these mixed metaphors. And so there's, there's three of them. He talks about, in verse 6, he talks about a journey. Uh, in verse 7, he talks about a growing tree, and also in verse 7, he talks about a building under construction. Uh, he tells them, remember that you are on a journey with Jesus. 
as you walk and take steps in your faith, it, it's like you're going on a long expedition with Jesus. Remember that you are rooted in Him. And remember that you are still being built up on the foundation that He has put down for us. Your building is not done being constructed yet. And He tells them, remember what you were taught. Remember the gospel that you received. Remember the things that you learned about Jesus. Uh, Remember that the faith that you have isn't based on simply a set of uh, ideas or philosophies. The faith that you have is based on a person and the work of a person. Jesus, who came, who died so that our sins might be forgiven, who was buried, who God raised to new life. And not only was he raised, but, but we have uh, pages in our scripture that describe that he appeared to so many people that there are eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection. And so the faith that you have is all based on a person, not a philosophical idea. He reminds them of this. In verse 6, he says, You received this Christ as Lord, so continue to walk, to continue to live. The, uh, we get this metaphor of a, a journey because some of your translations might say walk, some of them might say live. This is one of Paul's very favorite ways of talking about uh, the Christian life is, is to put it in terms of, of walking with Jesus. In, in all of his letters, I, I think that he uses this metaphor 32 different times, four times just in the book of, of Colossians. And so he's saying that as we are on this journey, we should walk in such a way that, that when people look at our life, they begin to see Jesus. So that we are living, we are walking in such a way that we are starting to exhibit the qualities that Jesus has. If you want a picture of what God is like, then we should look at Jesus. And so when when you want to know how to witness to your friends, if you want to give them an accurate picture or, or give them a even of the beginning of a picture of what the God that you believe in looks like, people should be able to look at the way that you walk. That's what Paul says. Now, that's heavy because that, <laughs> there's a lot of responsibility in that, isn't there? So, as part of the journey, Paul is, in the way that he writes this grammatically, he is saying that it is a journey that is it's not done. It is a continuing journey now and into the future. And so that is a way of him saying, okay, you're, you're on this journey. You're living. You're walking, moving forward, and you have to keep moving forwards. He never talks about turning around and, and going backwards. This is a journey that, that carries you forward into the future with Jesus. And along the way, we learn all sorts of things on how to live like Jesus. And when we take steps with Jesus intentionally, that is a way that strengthens your faith. When, when you practice a Jesus lifestyle, it provides you strength 
to carry on uh, in the journey. It gives you strength to stand up against the temptations that the world will, has for you that will say, hey, you know what, you can have Jesus and you can go this other direction too. It, it's just no big deal. And when you're tempted to do that, if you are walking in steps uh, of faith with Jesus, Paul is saying you will be strengthened and you will be reminded that Jesus is all-sufficient for you. I had a, a friend who was a, a newer believer, and, you know, his, his uh, past included a lot of partying after hours. Business day would end, you know, and it would just be a common occurrence to just go party. And after coming to faith, he started to believe that maybe that's not a great lifestyle to continue in. And yet the, the influence from other friends and other circles of, of life were saying, hey, you can have Jesus and you can still party with us, right? And for a while he tried that out, but he felt like he wasn't getting anywhere in his faith. And, and so he said, I had, to, I had to figure out a way to walk with Jesus. And so I started serving at a place, at another ministry in town that, that served underprivileged people. And, and I would get off work, and I would, I would go and serve. And that was my way of walking with Jesus. And it, it didn't break, it didn't fracture my friendship with these other people who I really wanted to share my faith with, that what they saw me doing was something that was a, a Jesus lifestyle. And that gave him strength to carry on. It gave him the strength and the encouragement that he needed to have Jesus and nothing else. Well, Paul gives us this metaphor of a, of, of a journey, and then he gives us these two other pictures a growing tree, and a building under construction. And both of these uh, pictures kind of help, um, they help teach us about what walking with Jesus looks like. It shows us that we can have uh, both stability and growth uh, along this journey. When we lived in Illinois, we had, uh, in our front yard, we uh, planted a tree. It was a beautiful tree. It was one of those ornamental plum trees, you know, that were had lots of branches, lots of, and they were just bushy branches filled with the dark maroon colored leaves, and it would flower, and, and it was just a, a beautiful tree. But it had a problem. Uh, when it got windy, and this was in just a little south of Chicago, and they call it the Windy City for a reason. Uh, it is windy there. And so when the wind would come in, the tree would tip over. Uh, it was top-heavy. All of the beautiful, lush branches with the leaves on them, when the wind came against that, there was a, <laughs> there was a lot of wind resistance, and so uh, the, the tree would, would just lean. And so I had to go out and you know, set it back up, and, and I had to put stakes in it with the support ropes to keep it in place, and there was one storm that, that blew through, and even stakes and all, that, that tree went over to about a 45-degree angle, pulled, pulled the stakes out. 
See, the problem was it didn't have much of a root structure. The subdivision where we lived, when they, when they put the subdivision in, they, they scraped all the dirt off the top down to the clay that was there. And then they put in the roads, and then they put in the lots, and then they put in the houses. And when all the houses were done for landscaping, they brought in about, you know, four or five inches of topsoil, put it over the top. And so you could put sod on top of that, and you could have some flowers and things like that. But trees had a really hard time taking root in that subdivision because we were all the way down to a base of clay, and, and you could dig a pretty big hole and you could put your tree, you could plant it in there, but the roots had a really hard time getting out into that clay. And if you know anything about clay, it doesn't, it's not really good for, it, it'll retain water, but there's not a lot of water in the soil. And so the, the tree was having a hard time finding nutrients and water to develop a root structure that would support the bushy nature of the tree. And so when the winds came, the tree would, would tip over. It's a beautiful picture of, of Christianity, of what it means to, to live a life uh, as a disciple of Christ. I mean, we can have all sorts of beautiful bushy branches on the surface, and if we don't have a strong root system, we're going to tip over. When the gusty winds of society blow through and tell you you can have Jesus and something else, you're going to tip over if, if you don't have a strong root structure. Now, if I can add maybe one picture, uh, develop that metaphor with Paul for a minute, thinking about roots, uh, we love traveling uh, south from here and visiting the big redwood forests in California. Have you ever been to the redwood forest? I mean, huge, tall trees. First time that I visited the redwood forests, I was looking at the magnitude of these trees just in awe, and I thought to myself, man, can you imagine how deep that root is? Like a, tall, a tree that could stand a couple hundred feet tall has got to have a huge taproot that just goes down into the earth. And so I, was, I studied up on that, and those big redwood trees don't have very deep roots. They have very complex root structures, but they're not deep at all. And if you go through the redwood forests, you will never find a solitary redwood tree. Redwood trees are always found in groves. And they're found in groves because when they grow to be that high, their roots, they grow together. They become intertwined with their neighbors, with their brothers and sisters all around them. And it struck me that some of the strength in the Christian journey, yes, it is sinking a taproot down into Jesus, as Paul suggests, but Paul also instructs us, and, and Jesus tells us that, you know, we are the body of Christ. And so, one way that we sink roots down into Christ is to let our roots grow together. Does that make sense? So, when the winds and the gusts from the world come in and rock the church or rock your life, 
uh, you, have a, you have a taproot that's down into the love of God that's nourishing you and feeding you and giving you strength, but you also have roots that are, have grown and they have intertwined with your brothers and the people who are sitting next to you right now. We, we grow together in such a way that we find strength and stability. Jesus talks about um, the, the passage in, in John 15. It says, uh, I am the vine and, and you are the branches. You know, he, the first, very first part of that, uh, he talks about pruning. And we don't like pruning very much because once in a while the gardener has to come around and, and prune branches that just, they're fruitless. And so it, it hurts when Jesus prunes us a little bit, but pruning is necessary for the healthy growth of, of a plant. And Jesus gets in this little, uh, this, little, this little sermonette that he gives on this, I am the vine and you are the branches and I want you to produce fruit. He gets to this, and it, his favorite Greek word is meno, which means abide or remain in me, is, what, is really what Jesus is saying is we should be so intertwined that it would be hard for people to distinguish where you end and I begin. So when he is saying that we need to have our roots down into him, that our branches are attached to his vine, which, you know, the vine is a picture of the whole plant, so Jesus is a whole plant, branches included. We should be so intertwined with Jesus that it's hard for people to distinguish where we end and, and he begins. And you can take that a little bit further that as a church, we need to be intertwined with one another. All of this is something that gives us an incredible amount of stability. Strong roots stabilize growth. Well, developing strong roots takes a lot of time, doesn't it? You don't, I've never planted a tree and had an instant root system that held that tree up. Uh, it's really hard work. doesn't matter where you are in your spiritual growth process. Every one of us needs to keep developing a healthy root system. So I wanted to, I just want to give you three really quick things that I think will help you grow some, some deep and healthy roots. Of course, uh, I'm not going to mention that you should be spending time in prayer and reading your Bible. Those are a couple things that I'm, I'm, I don't want to ever assume anything, but those are the ones that kind of go with, should go without saying. Read your Bible and pray. That'll help you grow deep roots. But there's three others that I think might be helpful, and um, not only for your own personal root, root system, but to uh, help other people around you and, and to become intertwined with, with the body of Christ. Um, the first one would be... Uh, Encourage another Christian in their faith every week. Make it a point to encourage another believer in their faith every week. Maybe it's take them out for coffee or a Coke Trent, or maybe it is uh, sending an email or a text, or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's doing the old-fashioned thing of writing a letter or sending a card. But in some way... Practice encouraging another believer in their faith uh, every week. Uh, number two, write down one thing that you are grateful for every day and, and tell the Lord about it. 
take it to him in prayer. So maybe start a, a thankfulness journal. And you don't have to get crazy right off the bat. Just write down one thing every day that you are grateful for. It could be something that's uh, you know, very small. It could be something that's very big. It could be that the sun came out today and it's going to be 85. It could be that you have food on the table. It could be that today, you know what, I'm just really especially thankful that God's grace extended to a sinner like me. Whatever it might be for that day, just keep a thankfulness uh, journal. And the third thing that I think will help you grow healthy and deep roots is pause daily and remind yourself that you are complete in Christ, that he is all that you need, that he is the all-sufficient one. You don't need Jesus and anything else, that Jesus is it. You are complete uh, in Christ. There's something to be said about maybe the more liturgical um, denominations who still practice you know, morning, evening, or morning, noon, and, and evening prayers. That there is an intentional time uh, that is set aside. Maybe it's you have your watch set if you need that reminder, or maybe it's every time uh, that you eat more than just, Lord, thank you for this food, amen. Um, but in you know, a morning, noon, and evening, you get in a rhythm of reminding yourself that Jesus is all you need that he is the all-sufficient one for you. Remind yourself that Jesus has broken the power of sin in your life, and he has given you everything that you need to live a free and victorious life in, in him. And Paul ends with this metaphor of this, this building that's under construction. And it is, a, it is a picture of a building that is continuously under construction. So, if you want a way of thinking about this, think about the road construction project on I-5 in Tacoma. It's continuous. It's never-ending. It will not be done before Jesus returns. I guarantee it. So, your, your building of spiritual, your faith is like the I-5 Tacoma project. It will be ongoing until Jesus returns. Um, so in Matthew 16, and Jesus has taken, we've talked about this multiple times, Jesus has taken the disciples on a mini retreat, and he quizzes them on who do people say that I am, and then he turns the tables on them, and he says, well, who do you say I am? And Peter says, well, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus says, that is absolutely right. You didn't come to that on your own. That was something that was given to you by the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, Jesus blesses Peter, and up until that point, he's known as Simon. And at that point, Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter. And in the Greek, the Peter means rock. And, and so when, when, when he says, uh, you will no longer be known as Simon, you'll be known as Petros, and on this Petra, this, on this rock, I will build my church. Remember this, Matthew 16, if you need to look it up. Uh, so there's two forms of the, the word rock that Jesus uses in the matter of, you know, like a phrase, same sentence. Petros, for Peter's name, 
which is the masculine form of the word. Thank goodness. Uh, Petros means a small stone. It means a rock that you can pick up, carry around, maybe put it in your pocket, but it's a movable stone. On, uh, and then Jesus continues, on this Petra, it's the feminine form of the word, it carries a little different meaning. It means rock, but Petra, the feminine form, means like a bedrock, like a, an immovable stone. So, Jesus is saying, I will build my church using small stones, like Peter, and I will place them on the confession of Jesus as Messiah, which is the foundation on which we build our spiritual homes. I will, I will use these smaller rocks to build a spiritual temple on the foundation which I provide. Does that make sense? Okay, so in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, Peter, you know, he, he is a smart guy under all of that, you know, shiftiness, um, roller coaster ride, Peter. Uh, he's put two and two together now. He's been blessed with the Spirit, and he remembers Jesus said he's going to take stones and he's going to build something out of it. He's going to build a church out of it. So he reminds uh, his audience that that Jesus is, is going through a building process in all of us, and he's taking all of us together, and he's bu building himself a, a spiritual temple. And Paul, in our text today, talks about the same kind of a thing, that, that Jesus wants to do this work in you. He wants your building of faith to be continually under construction. And he has told us, he has promised us that he will build us together as each of us are formed individually. He's taking all of the, the rocks around this sanctuary and he's building us together into a spiritual temple. He is taking the collection of all of the Christians all around the world and he is, he is building for himself a spiritual temple. Isn't that a really cool picture? <clears throat> So, in all of this, Paul has said, continue moving forward in your journey of faith. You can do it. I thank God for your faith. And as you continue in this journey, you will find stability and growth. Sink your roots deep down into the love of God and let Him nourish you. Let your roots grow out into the community of faith around you so that you are intertwined with other believers. So when culture does blow and gust and tempt you to say Jesus and something else is a good idea, you'll have a structure all around you and in me that will help you be stable. It will help you stand in strength. And allow yourself to be built up into this spiritual temple that, that God is, is building. And he says that, uh, I like how he ends, he says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Paul says you will know that you're moving in the right direction in your faith when... Uh, when thanksgiving just 
overflows out of your soul. When, when, when Thanksgiving just starts to well up and bubble up within you and, and just you can't keep a lid on it anymore, you're just so thankful, that's an indicator. That's the marker that Paul says that you will experience when, when you are moving in the right direction. When you keep in step with Jesus and you sink your roots down into him and you abide in him and when you allow him to build you um, into this holy place, you're going to reap a harvest of, of gratitude. I, it just blows me away. Two verses that are, that give us such a good picture of Christian discipleship. And I would say that, that my prayer echoes these verses. My, my prayer for you echoes, I would, my prayer for us collectively is that we would both individually and corporately be able to spur one another on and encourage each other uh, in this journey. And, and that we can be thankful that the Lord satisfies us with good things, as the psalmist says in 103. And then as I was preparing this, I, I was reminded of the words from, from Isaiah in chapter 58. These ancient words of the prophet, he says, The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. I just hope you can take these words today, and I pray that they encourage your heart. Faith is difficult to practice out in the world when the, when the winds come blowing in to tempt you to say Jesus and something else is okay, you, you can stand up. You can have the strength to stand against that and be a beacon and a light to show other people that it can be done. And I pray that we would continually practice showing each other what, what that looks like. And the people of God said... Mm, amen.